Welcome on into the Jazz Talk Podcast. I'm your host, CJ Dieters. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about the little skit that the Jazz have been on lately, how things are have been looking without Donovan Mitchell in the lineup, how I think Rudy Gobert can have a much bigger impact than what he's having, and it's not his fault, and just a uh, quick outlook on, on th- how things are looking as we head on into the playoffs. So... In the last two games that the Jazz have played, they played the Timberwolves in both those games. The Timberwolves have the worst record in the Western Conference. Um, they, have, they have a new coach that they've had for a couple months now and Chris Finch. Since he's come aboard, things have looked better. Um, they've been dealing with injuries to both Carl Anthony Towns and D'Angelo Russell. Um, but they're still not, they're not a good team. Um, and the Jazz lost both these games to the, to this team and you know you the, the the shots weren't falling they weren't hitting threes but i think the the issues go further than that with this team um this is the third time that the jazz lost to the timberwolves this year one of the biggest keys that the timberwolves have against the jazz is the fact that they have carl anthony towns you know Towns is seven feet tall, you know, plays the center, but can space the floor just about as good as anybody in the league. Um, he's had multiple years of shooting over 40% from three, and what that does is it forces Rudy Gobert to go out and cover him on the three-point line. And when a team does that, you know, you see it with the Thunder, with Al Horford, um, with the Pacers, with Miles Turner, um, Anytime the other team has a center that can pull Rudy away from the basket, the limits of the other defenders on the team um, really start to show up. You know, Royce O'Neal is a very good defender, and he's going to work his butt off, but he's not elite. Other than that, they are really limited on the defense, um, on the perimeter, and Rudy being under the basket cleans up a lot of messes for this team you know Joe Ingles is a decent defender you know and so is Mike Conley Donovan Mitchell tries hard Boyan does the best he can but none of those guys are really that good good of defenders and so when Rudy gets pulled away from the basket it makes it really tough to stop the other team from driving especially when the other team has great athletes like Anthony Edwards and D'Angelo Russell who well D'Angelo Russell isn't a great athlete but he has some moves to get himself you know use a little hesitation to get himself past his defender and once he's past the defender the Jazz don't have somebody back there to clean up the mess anymore Um, and so that's part of what the Jazz were dealing with the other part is you know Donovan Mitchell's been hurt but they've been been able to beat other teams without Donovan being out there so that's not the real big issue now three ball wasn't falling for the Jazz but the thing is when that's not falling you have the pick and roll with Rudy you have guys like Jordan Clarkson Mike Conley um, who can still get to the basket Boyan Bogdanovich can play in the post um but they, they were just trying too much to rely on the three-point shot. And again, if it's not falling, 
you've got to try something else. Now, the Jazz are a great three-point shooting team, and when you are hitting it, it's way more valuable than a post-up or a mid-range shot. But like I said, if it's not falling, it doesn't matter what shot you're shooting. If it's not going in the hoop, it's not helping the team. Um, Which brings me to how I was saying that Rudy Gobert can have a much bigger impact, but it's not his fault that he's not having it. There were a lot of times in these last two games where they would run the pick and roll and Ricky Rubio would get switched on to Rudy Gobert. Ricky's a good defender, but he's 6'4". Rudy Gobert is 7'2". Rudy would get into the middle, put his hands way up in the air, and be basically demanding the ball, and they wouldn't get it to him. They kept trying to create threes, even though the, the shot wasn't going down. When you get a mismatch like that, you got to feed Rudy and try and get, have Rudy go off for 40 points in that game. Um, so that's something that really irritated me with, with these last couple games was that it's like, yeah, you want to, to go for threes because they're a higher uh, value shot. Um, you're more efficient if you're knocking down threes. But if you have a huge mismatch right at the basket, you've got to take advantage of that. Um, you know, Rudy's averaging about 14.5 points a game this year. And I really think it would not be that hard to have him average closer to 17, 18 points a game, which is knocking down one and a half more shots per game. That's not that much. But I think, you know, the there needs to be more of an emphasis on when a smaller guy gets uh, switched on to either Rudy or Derek Favors down low. The Jazz really need to recognize that and take advantage of it. You know, Derek, Derek Favors is a great post scorer. Um, if he gets a guy like Ricky Rubio switched on to him or uh, Jordan McLaughlin or any other small guard that you can name in the league, you've got to feed him the ball and let him go to work. Because those two guys being close to the basket with a huge mismatch is you're dealing with the pretty much the same efficiency rate as a 50% three-point shooter. Which, what I mean is, if you have a 50% three-point shooter, they put up eight shots, they hit 50%, that's four, that's 12 points. If you have a Rudy Gobert or Donovan or uh, Derek Favors right next to the basket with a huge mismatch, and they can shoot, they can make two-thirds of their basket, 66% of their baskets there, out of eight shots, that's six. Wait, that'd be 75%. Eh, the math works anyway. 75% of his shots, not even 66. Those, Both those guys can make three-fourths of their baskets when there's a tiny guard on them. Six shots, make, you know, put up eight shots, make six. That's 12 points. It's equal. So what I'm saying is... You should look for threes as much as possible. But recognize when one of these bigs has a huge mismatch down low and exploit it. 
make it to where they can no longer make that switch. They can no longer have the little guard follow Rudy or Derek down low <clears throat> to where now the, the, when they run the pick and roll, that guard has to stay home with the ball handler and chase over the screen, giving the ball handler room to operate, uh, to throw the lob, to hit the floater, to pass. So the Jazz need to, they need to practice this. They need to, you know, Quinn needs to make a big point of this of anytime they switch a small guard onto Rudy or Derek Favors or Ursanili Silva if he's in the game, they've got to go after that mismatch. So even after losing these two games, the Jazz are still in first place, but their lead is not nearly as big. Um, over the Suns. Now, I I think it's a very very much of importance for the Jazz to maintain the number one seed for a few reasons. First off, is that they've had the number one seed for so long throughout this year. It really would just kill your momentum to go into the uh, to the postseason after being number one all year long to give it up at the very end, right as you're about to head into trying to win a championship. Secondly is you want to have home court advantage through the entire playoffs. If the Jazz can hold on to the number one seed in the Western Conference, the teams in the East aren't going to catch them. So if they made it all the way to the finals, they would have home court advantage the entire way through and with the Jazz allowing 5,600 fans in currently, and hopefully that number goes up um, through the playoffs, it would be a huge advantage to, you know, versus a lot of arenas still aren't allowing anybody in, or they're allowing very, very few people into their arenas right now. It's just a huge advantage for the Jazz. They've played so incredibly well at home so far this season. I think for momentum's sake and for um, home court advantage, they really need to hold on to the number one seed. Now, you can strategically rest guys over time, um, but I would I would really just go all out, try and gain a couple games lead on the Suns to where the last couple games of the year, you know, you could just rest basically everybody and play you know, your G League guys and your your second unit, third unit guys. Um, and, you know, when, when the regular season ends, they have to do the play-in games. So the, uh, the teams that are in the playoffs, the one through the six that don't have to do the play-in games, are going to have basically a week off anyway. Um, so I wouldn't put too much emphasis on resting guys um, unless they absolutely need it. You know, Mike's hamstring really gets tight, rest him for a game. If Derek Favors' back or his knees are really bugging him, give him a day off, you know. But for the most part, I think the Jazz really need to make a push this, these last few games of the year, stay in number one in the West, and head into the playoffs with some momentum. Um, now, Donovan Mitchell was reevaluated, I think, on Saturday, 
and it sounds like he's going to be out at least another week. Um, you know, he's got that ankle sprain. Now, luckily, as I said before, it's not a high ankle sprain, but it's still going to take a little bit of time to come back from. Um, now, I wouldn't rush him from it. Um, make sure he is good to go for the playoffs. But at the same time, I wouldn't just straight hold him off until the playoffs. I would, I'd like him to get in at least a couple more games in the regular season to you know start getting his legs back underneath him, to get his wind back, and have some momentum heading on into the playoffs. Um, yeah, but with that, I'm going to go ahead and end this episode. Thank you so much for listening. Um, yeah, again, thank you so much and have a great day and go jazz.